morning, everybody. It's a joy to open the word together with you. Pray with me, please. Father, I simply ask you this morning to make yourself known to us, to the beloved gathered here this morning. Lord, let us hear from your revealed word and catch sight of our revealed God. Please take away the hardness of our hearts this morning. Please suppress our, our suppression of you and make us willing by your grace. Make us glad to know of our pressing needs this morning, our need for healing, for protection, and make us more holy, I pray. Amen. Well, my name is Mark Milligan. Uh, if you don't know who I am yet, uh, I'm a sinner. I have not loved God as he deserves. Maybe some of you can understand this and relate to this. Instead, I've loved all manner of God's gifts while treating him as my enemy. Even though all the things that I enjoy, that bring pleasure, he made them and made them for me to enjoy. But in spite of all this, God has made me alive together with Christ, right? He has loved me even while I was dead in my sin. My sin, not in part, but the whole nailed to the cross. Well, also by his mercy, he has given me happy marriage and 10 amazing children, four, age four to 21. Uh, I've been here enjoying River Hills for over 10 years now. I've primarily served as small group leader, uh, elder for a time, and often one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Um, our church right now is currently in the middle of our annual church improvement series, which is a time of the year where we take a break from going through whole books of the Bible in order to address some specific pastoral needs, give us some direction as a local church. And this morning, we want to develop our understanding of our purpose statement, which says we exist to display the greatness of God. But we don't want to be directed by a purpose statement of our own invention. We want to be directed by God's word, right? Well, I want to demonstrate this morning, share that uh, I, I believe this is a wonderful statement that we have uh, come up with, written, uh, because of our discovery of what we find in God's word. I think it is faithful to the passages. So we will start with a quick read through our Ephesians passage in chapter 3, and then we'll dig a little more and make some applications along the way. And everything should fit into the main point that God has chosen his apostles and the church to display the greatness of God in creation. And then there's three points. Uh, they're not going to be in order, so if you're taking notes along the way, just figure out where something might fall in here. Uh, first being maybe progressive revelation, which I'll explain. And then who are you? And take heart. Okay, so Ephesians is a letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to, in his words, to the saints, which means holy people, who are in Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. This is a city, Ephesus, far from the Jews in Israel, and much of Paul's words to them are about the great mercy of God to include them in his plan of salvation, which has been extended beyond the people of Israel to include the nations of the earth, as many as who will turn from their sins and trust Jesus to forgive them. So chapter 3, verse 1, you can follow along with me, uh, says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, that was given to me for you, 
how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So here we have Paul, who is a special apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, in this case writing to the Ephesians, who are mostly Gentile church. And he is assuming, he says in verse 2, that they have heard of Paul's stewardship of God's grace, uh, which we read about. We heard some of that in the book of Acts this morning. Uh, This stewardship is that Jesus has appointed Paul to be his own apostle to the Gentiles, right? That's Jesus' personal representative to the nations to carry the gospel out to the world. Uh, And he makes the point here that this was a mystery, something hidden in ages past, but now uh, revealed through Christ and specifically through, through the apostles whom Christ has sent out. And that makes, that makes this a special time in history, a special age, special time of revelation or unfolding of the knowledge of God and his plan of redemption. So displaying the greatness of God, you see? All right, so back to our passage, verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So you see, this is full of language, preaching, uh, bringing to light, you know, revealing, displaying God. Verse 10 said, So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So you see, it's God's ordained plan that... uh, It's his plan that the gospel would be made known and unveiled. And the church, specifically the church, looking at that verse, should display to the world the wisdom of God in this unveiled plan of salvation, which is the majesty of God. Uh, It is the grace of God. It is his judgment, his justice, the cross of Christ, his ascension. And so this is revealed in the world through the church. But also this verse specifically says rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's not forget that angels and demons and all heavenly creatures are not omniscient as God is. They peer into the unfolding of history and creation with eagerness, looking to see what God is doing as though they all together are reading a grand storybook which God has authored And they are looking for a grand resolution to the great conflict. Job 38.7 describes the angels cheering and shouting for joy upon seeing the work of God in creation. That's a fun fun passage, Job 38.7. And Peter explains in 1 Peter 1.10 that the angels long to look into what is being revealed through the mouths of those 
sharing the gospel. So maybe this should make you think about how you pray or how you explain God's goodness to your, uh, to your coworkers, maybe your friends at school, knowing that angels are listening in. And they are eager to see the victory of Christ in your life, perhaps. So back to Ephesians 3, verse 11 now. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Here we see that Christ's new covenant, his new covenant, which is God's salvation to Gentiles and to Jews, to all the world, it comes to the world through faith, through trusting Christ for what he has done, rather than through the works of the law. Paul would plead with you to stop grasping for confidence in your own righteousness, which is a dead end, but rather to receive the gift of Christ's righteousness credited to your account, to my account. His righteousness is already finished. He accomplished this already. Your peace with God does not rest on your ability to keep God's statutes. Rather, it rests on Christ's ability, which is already proven to us. Verse 11 also says, This has been planned out from the beginning, from before creation, his eternal purpose, that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. This doesn't mean that he just figured it out and realized it, right? It means he planned it and he revealed it in Christ at the right time. So next, how should... How should all this make us feel? And this is kind of where Paul goes in verse 13. He says, So I ask you not to lose heart over, the th- over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he's saying don't lose heart. And if we read on in Ephesians, we would see how Paul thinks that this message of displaying the gospel, displaying Christ to men, to all creation, to the earth, uh, that this ought to bring strength and confidence that we should take heart over this. So take heart, Christians. And that's a quick walkthrough. I hope you can see that there's a lot going on in, these, in this passage, lots of words to pay attention to, but the main point being God has chosen his apostles to proclaim or display God in the earth and to all watching eyes, both in heaven and earth, and then uh, Paul specifically to the Gentiles and also after the apostles that the church is to display the greatness of God in the earth. As verse 10 says, through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Uh, you could, If you're taking notes you could put this under who are you? Because this certainly helps us understand something of ourselves. Who are you? Um, Well, you can find this kind of language all over the Bible, uh, which is why River Hills has adopted this, the wording of our purpose statement, we exist to display the greatness of God. And I really like this statement, and the words make me think, right? It's okay to change the words a little bit. The apostles and the prophets, they choose a variety of ideas and words to express this concept, this idea. Um, Sometimes using memorized, familiar words kind of take away that we can kind of lose the, the meaning in it sometimes, right? Kids, how many of you have heard us 
around here say, we exist to display the greatness of God. Any, anybody heard that before? Everybody's, I guess. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope that after listening carefully to some of the things that the Bible's teaching us, that this phrase will have more meaning to you, that it won't just go in one ear and right out the other uh, if it doesn't already have meaning for you. Um, so we'll keep looking at the passage and think about what it means for us. And by the way, at River Hills, we desire that adults and children gather together in our worship, right? We talked about that some this morning. Um, one reason for this is to help parents learn to lead their children in worship and hopefully be doing it all week long. It's an important opportunity for the mature Christians to display to the younger ones among us what worship is all about. So, looking at, again at verse 1, we'll circle back here. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you, Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So Paul is an apostle. And what does that mean? He regularly reminds his readers that he is an apostle of Christ. An apostle is a kind of representative. It means one who is sent off or sent with authority. Uh, apostle wasn't just a Christian word, not just a religious word. The, the governors would sometimes send out men to execute a decree, carry something out, and, uh, and they would uh, be considered an apostle of that individual. Uh, Paul, uh, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23, he speaks of some unnamed brothers who are apostles of the churches. Uh, this is likely what we would call missionaries. Uh, those whom the, the church sends off to labor for the Lord with the church's support and authority. And so, you see, it must be noted, who does the sending? That, that brings the meaning behind apostle, right? Uh, Paul says that these brothers are apostles of the churches. The churches did the sending. But of himself, Paul says he is an apostle of Christ. Jesus himself did the sending um, so Jesus has not visited you and me in this personal kind of way to send us personally with that specific authority uh, as he did with the, with the 12 apostles and with Paul. Um, you can read about Paul's account of his sending in Acts chapter 9 or in Galatians 1 and 2 or other places. Um, so the personal sending out of these men came with an authorization to speak on Jesus' behalf. That's exactly why we have the New Testament, which is largely the, uh, the writings of the apostles or of their associates on behalf of the apostles. They had the authority. Another important verse is Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who is faithful to him who appointed him. And so Jesus is an apostle of the Father. Hmm. So I find it helpful to just kind of see the chain. Think of this chain of apostleship, chain of authority and revelation. The Father sent forth his Son, Jesus, like John 20, 21. Jesus sent forth his apostles, like John 17, 18, and his apostles planted churches who would send out their own apostles, as that 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 23 passage. Uh, so it's a kind of chain of apostleship and sending out, right? 
And I should clarify here that missionaries or anyone today who might be called an apostle doesn't carry the same authority as, as Jesus' apostles, whom he sent out with authority to share his teachings and his word um, and perform signs and wonders to authenticate that. So finding our place in all this work of proclamation, it should humble us. Why would he use us, right? And we sang, we sang about that even in our songs this morning. And, uh, and the psalm read, Psalm 8, why should God ever decided to include us in this holy proclamation, you and me? It should humble us. So I say all this for a few reasons. Uh, first, it helps, helps you know who are you, right? Who are you? Also, well, so you're not born into cosmic chaos, right? Sometimes our world would have us um, cut out God, and then it, lefts, uh, it leaves us kind of hanging out there wondering what our place is. Well, we're all created in the image of God, and we enter into a purposeful flow of history. And by God's grace, we are given an amazing role to play in displaying the greatness of God. I just heard some studies recently that show that men or women who know that they have purpose, feel needed, uh, tend to live longer. Um, the example that they gave was a very old man who knew that he needed to keep chopping wood for his family to keep them warm. Um, I don't remember what country it was from. And, and they said that helped him uh, continue living. Well, as Christians, you know, we too, it strengthens us to know that we have purpose and that our, our work that we are given to do is glorious work. On a recent podcast episode of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, the host interviewed a woman whose husband was murdered for sharing Christ's goodness in Turkey some years ago. Well, she explained that when the reporters all came to interview her in the morning, she was so much in the fog of grief at that time that she had zero interest in uh, in talking to these people, um, many who were hostile to her family because of Christ. Well, but then she was reminded that she and her husband came here to preach and display the greatness of God to the Muslim people in this country. She said immediately, she just remembered instantly being brought strength and eagerness, in fact, to extend her own forgiveness to her husband's murderers and through these seemingly ill-timed interviews strength. She took heart. As Paul desired in verse 13, she did not lose heart over the suffering of gospel laborers like her husband. Rather, she took heart and was strengthened by knowing it's her purpose to display God's greatness. So will you take heart? Will you find strength in God's gracious ordination in your life? Do you follow Christ? Then he has ordained you that you should display him, that you would bear his image. Later in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, looking at maybe verse 15, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Church, it won't be long, and this age will be over. And then the earth, as the prophet Jeremiah says, uh, well, so Christ will come, right? He'll come back. He'll judge the earth and Jeremiah says, No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, 
for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. What a happy day this will be in the earth and for us. But we have a blessed opportunity in this age, in these days, to share the gospel, to share God's goodness with others, to bring more voices of praise, right? He is worthy of more worship. Uh, So River Hill's core values say that we want to see people come to trust in Christ both in Rock County, right, in our local area, also around the world through our global missions, for example. But we believe that God is worthy of more worship in the earth. And you can do this. You can all do this in numerous ways. Try to share your excitement over God's great wisdom. Maybe the way that you would share a funny video with your friends. Or share the joy over being adopted by a loving Heavenly Father. The way that you would tell your friends about something wonderful your child has done this week. What a call we have. How might you respond in faith this week as various trials press in upon you? Well, that chain of revelation that I mentioned also works well to begin explaining progressive revelation. And progressive revelation is just one of those theological phrases we use, but it's a really helpful category to learn. It's the idea that God has chosen to make himself known more and more as time marches on, as history progresses. We see this all over the Bible, beginning to end. Also, it's worth pointing out that even though all of creation uh, has a way of revealing something about God, he gives a special place to mankind in putting himself on display. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is in the beginning of our Bibles for a reason. It is very foundational for the identity of mankind. And we are created to display God's greatness, or bear His image, And this is what man sinned against. This is what we rejected and turned away from in our rebellion. You cannot fully know who you are without knowing this about yourself. Your identity is bound up in the character of God. And you'll never find peace and satisfaction in anything apart from enjoying this relationship with God. Have you noticed that our lives are full of reminders that our world is very confused about their identity? And you and I, too, daily are being tempted to look for meaning and purpose in something or someone other than God. This is where Adam failed, but Christ succeeded in every way that Adam failed. And so he gives to us his victory, and we enjoy victory in Christ not by what we have done. You ever lose sight of who you are? You fall into maybe the feeling that being a Christian is just living a better life or not believing what the media believes or being angry at all the bad guys out there who are ruining our lives. Or are you tempted to locate your primary identity in being a sport fan or animal lover 
or a good parent even, or a generous person, or as a victim, which is very popular right now. Well, don't believe it. You are created to bear the image of God in creation. So rest in Christ's victory and be like him. Be creative like your creator. Be industrious, be faithful, be caring. Bring order from chaos. Lift the downtrodden. Do hard things. Be full of courage. Be holy, for God is holy. River Hills Church can proclaim Christ through our godly character and through serving others, which is our joy. So thinking again of Adam and Eve, after the first man and woman followed the serpent rather than following God, which is a failure to faithfully bear God's image, right? God made a promise in Genesis 3.15 that he will put war between the serpent and the woman, but that an offspring of the woman would crush the head of that devilish serpent. This is good news to them and to us today. But if you were listening there, it didn't sound like the gospel presentation we might give, right? Some details missing. Death, burial, resurrection, suffering of Christ, um, Son of God becoming incarnate. Yet, they trusted God to be their deliverer. And so, this is kind of getting to what progressive revelation is. It was, it was a gospel, but veiled. It, details were missing. And as time moves on, it is opened up more to us. So, their salvation would take millennia to be unveiled in Christ. Time progressed from Adam and Now Noah was offered salvation from God's destruction on the earth. And thus through the flood and the ark, God has displayed his judgment, his power, his grace, patience, even ordaining civil government at this time. Uh, More time passed and you can see God elect or choose Abraham to display his electing grace through the covenant of promise. As you can see Paul explaining in Romans chapter 9. And the story keeps unfolding Genesis 15, 6 tells us that Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Galatians 3, 8 tells us that the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Again, not exactly maybe the gospel that we are presenting now that we have more details. Right? We don't see all the elements of what Christ came and accomplished and did. Well, Abram believed that God would rescue him. So continuing this crude overview, we come to Moses, who is a kind of savior. Or we come to the law, which offers the world really an explosion of the revelation of God and of his will to, to the earth. Um, also then the prophets and their continual warnings, which are pictures to us of, of God's justice, also patience, many things we learn in there. Uh, Hebrews begins by saying, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature 
and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So you see, the, the law given through Moses may have been one explosion of the knowledge of God in the earth, but with Christ's coming, we have even more fireworks. He was the goal. So much revelation. Exact imprint of his nature. Radiance of the glory of God. What a revelation we have of the Father, of God in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 10, I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, verses 10 through 12 says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels longed to look. There they are, the angels peering over the balcony, as it were, watching the victory of God over sin and death. The offspring of the first woman crushing the head of the serpent. This is a story recounted in Revelation, which is that wonder of Hebrew-style poetry, reading like fantasy yet all true. What was once all mysterious pictures, like sacrificed lambs, waters of judgment, lost garden, is now revealed. As Revelation opens, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. The church then now knows what those pictures pointed to all the time. Still there are questions, yet uh, still mysteries remain, yet so much that we understand of what these pictures pointed to. Praise God for sending us the Lamb of God, who is the lion, who holds the stars in his hands, who has the authority to begin the long-awaited judgment on earth, who is the bridegroom, the river, and tree of life. And so we are thankful that we are not left in mystery. Rather, God has displayed himself in Christ, and now through the church, that's us, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. So who are you? You are an image bearer of God, created to display the greatness of God. But you and I have need of strength. It seems daunting, such a task, knowing our weakness. Take heart, Paul says. This age will soon come to a close when Christ the King returns to judge and rule and renew the earth. That will be the day of our salvation. Don't be content then telling people to cheer up just because your team won or because it's a new year or even because the cancer is in remission. Good things, but look past these blessings for a better hope. For who hopes? Who hopes for what he has already has? We will soon enjoy the fullness of God's forgiveness as we escape his righteous anger is coming. The worthy Lamb of God will break open the sealed scroll of judgment. He will pour out those bowls of wrath on the earth. 
And all the earth will call out to the mountains and rocks, saying, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? But you will stand. You will stand as part of that great multitude from every nation, tribe, and people, standing before the throne, it says, clothed in white robes, which is the righteousness of Christ. Covering you and covering me. Who are you? Don't settle, saints. Don't live as though your identity and significance is limited to being just of a political party or being a mom or having a tidy life or having a messy life. We place our identity in strange places sometimes. So many things tell us to rest elsewhere. It's all a lie. It always was. You exist to display the greatness of God, and he is great. I'm certain that in the new heavens and the new earth, we will learn that no matter how many eons we explore his creation, we will always discover new greatness, more wisdom, higher creativity, more admiration. We exist to display the greatness of an infinite God, and you'll find ample reason to enjoy doing this. So River Hills, who are you? You don't need to wonder. You are created by God, the almighty maker of heaven and earth, and you were made to bear his image, to display his greatness. We have failed to bear his image. But if you belong to Christ, you are made new, and he'll finish what he started in you. You are being transformed day by day into the image of the one true God, not by your strength, praise God, not by my strength, by his ability. Well, may God work in all of us to both desire and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, oh, we bless your name, a good name. You created us in your image to live our lives displaying you, we confess daily failures in this and the lunacy of our rebellion against you. We give you thanks for renewing us in Christ after the image of our creator. Lord, help us by turning our hearts to trust your promises and give us power to fulfill your will. Oh, Lord, make us holy. Lord, make us holy as you are holy. As the hymn says, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Oh, Lord bless us. Amen.